Welcome to today's program. My name is Rick Renner, and my friend, I'm praying that today God will really speak to you through this program and give you what you need for you to be healthy and well. And I'm teaching a brand new series, which is called Why Christians Get Sick. Christians should not be sick because healing was purchased by Jesus on the cross. It really is in the work of the atonement. Then why do Christians get sick? Well, that's what we're covering in this series. And the subtitle says, and how to become healthy again. That's the goal, to be healthy and to enjoy what God wants us to have. And one of those things that God wants you and me to have is health. He wants us to be healthy. But why do Christians get sick? Well, it's all in this series. And this is one that you need to hear and hear and hear and hear. You need to get this teaching down inside you so you don't get sick. And if you are sick, so you can get well again. And it comes with a wonderful study guide that has all the points and the principles, all the Greek words, even the Hebrew words. It's all here so that you can read it while you see it or while you hear it. And right now we're also offering you a book that just really affected my life when I was younger called Bodily Healing and the Atonement. This is an amazing book. And when I read this book, that is when I really understood that healing was in the atonement and it's all in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5. This book will transform your thinking about the work of the cross in regard to healing. You see, I was always taught that when the Bible says in Isaiah 53, 5, by his stripes we are healed, that that was just spiritual healing. No, my friends, it is physical healing. God gives us physical healing through the work of the cross. And it's all in this wonderful book. And we're also offering you Bobby Indian's book, which just set me free. I laughed out loud. It was so liberating, called The Grace of Healing. How easy it is to receive what we need from the Lord. You will love this. And please remember that when you become a partner with our ministry, we send you two books as our way of saying welcome to our partner family. And a partner is anyone who regularly gives into our ministry so that we can take the teaching of the Bible to the ends of the earth. We can't forget the Great Commission. And in the Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, Jesus said, go you therefore and teach all all nations. You know, people don't talk a lot today about the Great Commission, but the Great Commission is still the Great Commission. And we're doing our part to take the teaching of the Bible to the ends of the earth because Jesus said, go you therefore and teach all nations. And when you become a partner with our ministry, you help us do that. And my friends, God will bless you for what you do. And the moment you become a partner, we're going to send you my book called Life in the Combat Zone and Denise's book called The Gift of Forgiveness. We always give these two books to anyone who becomes a part of our partner family. And we're waiting for the phone to ring right now. If you have a prayer request, let us know how to pray or send us an email. And the moment the phone rings or the moment we see that your email has showed up in our inbox, we're going to really put our prayers to work for you, and God is going to move mightily on your behalf. But let us know how to pray for you. Call us now or send us an email. I'll be back in just a moment. Stay tuned for a teaching you can trust, a message that will inspire, strengthen, and equip you with vital insights and understanding from the Word of God. Here is Rick. 
Today, we're going to see the next reason why Christians get sick. But we saw in the first program, Christians get sick because they don't recognize healing is in the atonement. The second reason Christians get sick is because they don't take time to rest. The third reason why Christians get sick is because they don't deal with bitterness and unforgiveness. That's what we covered yesterday. And if you enjoyed yesterday's program, there's a book that you ought to get that I wrote many years ago called You Can Get Over It. It's amazing to me that when people see this book, they say, ah, I don't want to read that. But it's the very book they need to read. And the subtitle says, How to Confront, Forgive, and Move On. The back of the book says, No harbored offense is worth sabotaging your future. And yesterday we saw that Jesus likened unforgiveness and bitterness to the sycamine tree. And in this book, I go into great detail about why Jesus used the example of the sycamine tree and how you can take authority over bitterness and unforgiveness. But it's available at our website, or you can call us right now. And today we're going to see the next reason why Christians get sick, and that is not putting an end to worry. Worry can make you sick. But open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 53, and let's read again verses 4 and 5 to get started. Isaiah's prophesying, he says, surely, oh, that word surely in Hebrew means emphatically, categorically, indeed, without a question. He hath borne our griefs. I wish somebody had told me this when I was younger. The word griefs is the word for physical sicknesses or infirmities. Jesus really dealt with physical sickness in the work of the atonement. And not only that, he's carried our sorrows that word sorrows carries the idea of mental pain or mental anguish or mental illness. So just in verse 4, we see that Jesus dealt with our bodies. He dealt with our minds. And in verse 5, it says he was wounded for our transgressions. The word transgressions has to do with our sin. He was bruised for our iniquities. The word iniquities has to do with guilt and shame. The chastisement of our peace, the word peace is a translation of the Hebrew word shalom. It carries the idea of fullness, completion, and it includes health. And with his stripes, we are healed. The word healed, the Hebrew word rafa, which categorically describes physical healing. I was always told this was spiritual healing. But my friends, when somebody gets saved, they're not spiritually healed. According to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1, we were dead in trespasses and sins. Have you ever heard of a dead person being healed? You don't heal dead people. We were dead. Dead people have to be raised from the dead. And that's what happened when we got saved. We were spiritually resurrected. This word healed refers to physical healing. But why do Christians get sick? And today we're going to see the next reason why that they don't put an end to worry. And I want us to begin with 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, where Peter says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Worry will devour you. At the very first of this verse, Peter says, Be sober, the Greek word nepho, which means be sober, not drunk, think straight, not like a silly drunk. 
Then he says, be vigilant, the word vigilant, the Greek word Gregorio, which is always used when some sinister force wants to get on the inside. Then he says, be sober, think straight, not like a silly drunk, be on your guard, be alert, because your adversary, the devil, and the word devil is the Greek word diabolos, which describes one who hits and strikes repetitiously, trying to break his way in that he might penetrate you. And he walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And the word devour is the Greek word katapino. The word kata means down. The word pino means to eat or to drink. When you put the two words together, it means to drink or to swallow down. It means to gulp, to slurp, or to consume or devour, which means the devil's intention is not just to chew on you. He wants to devour you till there's nothing left of you but juice, and then he wants to slurp up what is left of you. And one way the devil devours us is through worry. When I was a young man, I lived in a constant state of worry. When Denise and I were first married, I was so eaten up with worry that I ended up in the hospital receiving blood because I had a bleeding ulcer. And I remember the doctor sitting on the side of my bed looking at me. I was 24 years old. He said, Rick, you've got to stop living like this. If you continue to live in this kind of worry, it's going to eat you alive. And I remember thinking, how do you not worry? And in fact, my life was so consumed by worry that if I had a day when I wasn't worried about something, I would begin to worry that I wasn't worried about something. And I can remember Denise in those early days saying, Rick, would you please relax? But I didn't know how to live free of worry. And I didn't like any Bible verses that said, do not worry because I didn't know how to do that. I just did not understand how to live free of worry. But we are supposed to be free of worry. And my friends, when you're in a state of worry and fret and anxiety, it throws open the door for the devil to penetrate you and to begin to eat you. And it affects your health because your body is not designed to live like that. That is a stress that God never intended for you to live under. And one doctor told me that many people that are sick are simply sick due to stress, anxiety, and worry. But in Matthew 6, verse 25, Jesus said, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink. I hated that verse for years because I didn't know how to live that verse. But when Jesus said, take no thought, the Greek word literally means do not be troubled, do not be anxious, do not be fretful. And it is a specific Greek word which was primarily used in connection with worry about finances, hunger, or some other basic provision needed in life. And in the Greek text, the word me is used, which is a canceling effect. It literally means it was a strong prohibition to stop something already in progress. It was the equivalent of saying, stop worrying, stop worrying. And it is the same word which the Apostle Paul uses in Philippians 4, 6, another verse I did not like when I was young because I didn't know how to do it. But in Philippians 4, 6, it says, be careful for Nothing. The word nothing means absolutely nothing at all. And the word careful is again the same word that Jesus used, which means to be troubled, anxious, or fretful. 
primarily used in connection with worry about finances, hunger, or some other basic provision needed for life, and it depicts a person that is fretful about paying his bills, a person who is worried that he won't have the money to buy food or clothing that is needed for his family, or a person that is worried that he won't be able to make his house payment or his car payment or his apartment payment, a person that is anxious about being able to cope with the daily necessities of life. And in this verse, the Apostle Paul is pleading with us not to be worried about the basic needs and provisions required for life. In this verse, he is telling us not to let life get to us and throw us into a state of panic. In fact, he says we're to be careful for nothing, nothing. And again, that word nothing is a Greek word, which literally means absolutely nothing. And in fact, you could translate the verse like this so far. Don't be worried about anything. And that means nothing at all. <laughs> That's really what it means. And then in verse 6, Paul tells us what to do with anxiety and fret. He says, be careful for nothing. Then he continues, but in everything, and the word everything means everything. It doesn't matter what concerns you, what you're fretful about, what you're worried about. Here's the answer for you. In everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And in this verse, he gives us five important steps to move out of worry into faith. And I know that's what you want. He talks about prayer, supplication, thanksgiving. He uses the word request and the word known. These are five important steps to move out of worry into faith. But let's begin with the first one. He says, be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer. The word prayer is the Greek word pros, UK. What a wonderful word. It is the most common word used for prayer in the entire New Testament. It is a compound of the word pros. The word pros means to draw near. And the word eukomai, and the word eukomai depicts a wish, a desire, a prayer, or a vow but when you compound the two words together, it forms the word pros UK, which pictures one who draws near to God in order to make an exchange, an exchange. So instead of carrying our worries and carrying our burdens, he says, come close to the Lord in prayer. Give him your worries. Give him your concerns. And he, in exchange, will give you something and what he gives us is called peace. We'll see that in verse 7. But then Paul goes on in verse 6, and he says, Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. The word supplication is a translation of the Greek word diasis, which pictures a person who has some kind of basic lack in his life and strongly requests, strongly requests that it be met. This person is in such great need that he pushes aside his pride so he can boldly, earnestly, strongly, and passionately demand that somebody help him. It is the very word used in James 5.17 to describe the prayers of Elijah, where the Bible says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That's the same word, deasis. 
And here we find that we are to come to God and fervently pray. It means we are to strongly, strongly ask. It also means we don't have to be embarrassed. We don't have to be shy. We don't have to be mealy-mouthed when we ask, but we can strongly ask God to move in our behalf. But then Paul goes on. And he says, be careful for nothing but in everything, literally everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. The word thanksgiving means God not only expects you and me to be bold, but he expects us to thank him in advance for doing what we've asked him to do. And the word thanksgiving is the Greek word eucharistia from the word you, which describes something swell or really wonderful. And the word charis which is the Greek word for grace, compound the two words together. It forms the word eucharistia, which pictures an outpouring full of grace that just pours out to God in thanksgiving. And here we find that when we earnestly ask God to do something for us, we should match it with earnest thanks. We should make sure to follow up earnest asking with earnest thanksgiving, and thanksgiving will change the spiritual atmosphere all around you. And then in verse 6, he says, with thanksgiving, let your requests, requests. The word request is a translation of the Greek word haiteo, which means to be adamant in asking that something to be done, and it normally has to do with tangible needs, such as food, shelter, money, and things like that. And those are the kinds of things that most people worry about. It expresses the idea of a person that has a full expectation that he will receive what he has requested, which means when we pray, we need to pray in faith, believing that God is really going to hear us and he's going to respond to us. But then in Philippians 4, 6, he lastly says, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the word known is such an unusual word the Greek word gonorizo. And this word gonorizo means to make a thing known, really known. It means to declare something. One expositor has said it means to broadcast something, which means we need to declare to God what we need. We need to broadcast it so loudly that all of heaven is aware of what we're saying and requesting so you can be bold when you make your request known unto God. Isn't that amazing? And the RIV of Philippians 4, 6 is like this. Don't worry about anything. And that means nothing at all. Instead, come before God and give him the things that concern you so he in exchange can give you what you need or desire. Be bold to strongly, passionately, and fervently make your request known to God, making certain that an equal measure of thanksgiving goes along with your asking. You have every right to ask boldly, so go ahead and insist that God meet your need. And when you pray, be so bold that there's no doubt your prayer was heard, broadcasted, declare it. Pray boldly with the assurance that God has heard your request. That's what Philippians 4, 6 means. And then Paul adds in verse 7, and the peace of God, that's what you need. If you're in a state of worry and fret and anxiety, you need peace. And Paul says, if you'll do what I just said in verse 6, here's what will happen. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding. Oh, 
the word passeth in Greek is the word hooperecho. The first part of the word is hooper, which means over, above, beyond. It's something beyond measure, something that is utmost, paramount, foremost, first rate, first class, top notch, greater, higher, better than, superior to, preeminent, dominant, incomparable, more than a match for, unsurpassed and unequaled. That's the kind of peace that he's talking about. This kind of peace will pass all understanding. And the word understanding is a form of the Greek word nous, which is the Greek word for the mind and the seat of your emotions. Well, that's where your struggle is. You're worried. That's going on in your mind. But this peace will invade your mind. It will invade your emotions. And then he adds, and it will keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And the word keep is a very, very interesting Greek word, which was only used to describe soldiers who stood faithfully at their posts at the city gates to guard and control all who went in and went out of the city. They served as gate monitors, and no one entered or exited the city without their approval, which means if you'll do everything in verse 6, Verse 7 says, the peace of God that is unsurpassed is like no other peace will stand at the gates of your heart and your mind to determine what gets in, what does not get in. And that is why it could be translated like this. Here's the RIV. And the peace of God, a peace that rises far above and goes beyond anything the human mind could ever think, reason, imagine, or produce by itself will stand at the entrance of your heart and mind like a guard to control, monitor, and screen everything that tries to access your mind, heart, and emotions. Now, my friend, that is amazing. But I had to learn this because when I was a young man, I was one of those Christians that was sick because... I was eaten up by worry. Worry really opens a door to the devil. And one thing I've learned is that really worry is just a waste of your time and it is a waste of your emotions. It doesn't change a single thing. And as I've walked God with God through all these years, I've learned that God is absolutely faithful and there's no need to waste your time worrying about something that you can't change anyway. Better to move into a mode of prayer and walk through the five steps that Paul lays out in Philippians 4, 6, which will release the peace of God, the surpassing peace, to stand at the door of our heart. It will conquer our mind and our emotions and will say no admittance to all that fear and anxiety. It will keep it out of your life. Wow, this is so important. But tomorrow, we're going to come back and we're going to see another reason why Christians get sick. Christians should never be sick because healing is in the atonement. If we're sick, it's usually because we violated a principle or we've opened some door that has allowed it to come into our lives. But my friends, you can be healed. And if you need prayer, reach out to us. We will pray for the healing power of God to heal you. I'll be back in just a moment. Why do Christians get sick since Jesus purchased their healing on the cross? Rick Renner says, Years ago, there was a period of time when I was sick over and over again. And I asked God, why am I getting sick when Jesus purchased my healing on the cross? The answer I heard from God changed my life and helped me get healthy again. In this five-part series, Why Christians Get Sick and How They Can Become Healthy Again, Rick shares the insights he learned from the Lord that helped him begin to walk in health. These powerful insights changed his life. 
and they will change yours too. In this series, Rick shows you the dangers of not recognizing healing is in the atonement, not taking time to rest, not dealing with bitterness and unforgiveness, not putting an end to worry, not taking good care of one's temple. By listening to this series and applying its truths, you can activate God's healing power in your life. And the series is available in digital or physical formats starting at just $10. In addition to this teaching series, you can also get the books Bodily Healing and the Atonement by Dr. T.J. McCrossan for $10 and The Grace of Healing by Bob Yandian for $13. Rick says these two books are so powerful. If anyone wants to receive healing, they need to read these two books. Don't miss this special offer, the five-part series, Why Christians Get Sick and How They Can Become Healthy Again, and the books, Bodily Healing and the Atonement, and the Grace of Healing. Call the number on your screen now or go to renner.org to order. Call or go online now. Hey friends and partners, this is Rick Renner. You can probably see my breath because it's minus nine here right now, but I'm standing in the new building for our Moscow TV studio. And I want to say thank you to you for all of your sacrificial giving, for being a part of our giving team. Phase one enabled us to construct this building and it is completely paid for the building itself the windows the doors all the way to the roof even the heating system and in phase one we were enabled to purchase our building in tulsa and now we have secured it but now in phase two we need to finish the interior of this building we can't move into it the way that it is today but my friends in a very short time We're going to have cameras working in this building and from this location, we're going to be sending teaching that people can trust to the ends of the planet. And the focus of phase two is finishing this facility. And as I told you before, it's not about buildings. It's about having a building so that we can create programming that will change people's lives. And I'm asking you to please pray about being a part of the giving team to finish phase two, which is completing the interior of this building. And I promise you, we will be so careful with every penny and every dollar you give. We understand the value of money. And we're going to pray for God to magnificently and massively multiply your giving back to you again. Thank you so much. Please become a part of our giving team to finish phase two as we complete the interior of the Moscow TV studio. Wow, we have covered so much material today, and we have one more program in this new series called Why Christians Get Sick and how to become healthy again. Don't miss tomorrow. Tomorrow may be the most important of all of these programs. But if you'd like to order this series, you can go online to order it right now or give us a call. And remember that it comes with a wonderful study guide so you can read all the material why you're seeing it, and while you're hearing it. We provide the study guide because we really want this teaching to be reinforced down deep inside you. And right now we're offering you a book that transformed my life when I was younger, and I want you to have it. And it's called Bodily Healing and 
the atonement. When you read this book, you'll shout for joy because you will see healing really was in the work of the cross. And we're also offering you right now Bobby Indian's book called The Grace of Healing. I wrote the foreword to this book because it so impacted me. The subtitle says, Revealing God's Heart to Heal. God is offering healing to you today. And if you need prayer, reach out to us so that we'll know how to pray for you. And we will pray for God to graciously move in your life. But Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus that healing really is in the atonement and we do not have to be sick. Father, help us to take time to rest. Father, help us to deal with bitterness and unforgiveness. And Father, help us to put an end to worry and close every door to the enemy. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll see you tomorrow. But remember... Ecclesiastes 8.4, where the word of a king is, there's power.